Hello, hello, happy new year! Welcome back to Friend Crush. I'm Amber Akilla. Happy 2021 end of 2020 party. I am going to do today's episode on 20 things I learned slash came to appreciate slash realized slash gained clarity on in 2020. So most of these things I feel like I understood or knew of in the abstract, but kind of really like there's such a huge difference between knowing and understanding. And I felt like a lot of the dust really settled for me this year because I just had a lot of time to think about things in a way that I haven't been able to do um, as much in the last few years. So I feel like 2020 really allowed me to reflect over the most intense few years of my life thus far. I think towards the end of my law degree, graduating in 2017, moving to Shanghai, then the great pandemic of 2020. Um, a lot has been experienced, a lot has changed for me, and a lot has been learnt. So let's get into it. I have a list here, so um, I'm just going to like go through and yeah, I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> let's see what I wrote. I wrote this on the 13th of December and it's the 1st of January today. Okay, number one, mind-body connection. So when I was growing up, I was not an athletic child. I do not enjoy playing competitive sports. And I did do gymnastics when I was younger, but I think our gymnastics program got cut when I was in like year six or something. So ever since then, I just, I think I've been told that I'm not athletic. I just believe that I'm not athletic and just never really found exercise that really never not that I didn't find exercise I enjoyed I just didn't uh consistently participate in physical activity because I'm already a lazy noodle so but yeah this year obviously um a lot of uncertainty etc I know that exercise is good for your mental health which is why I um practice yoga but I wasn't practicing yoga that consistently like in the last few years and I also enjoy Pilates because it's similar to yoga and um yeah but I started practicing yoga more regularly this year and it just really reinforced my appreciation for mind-body connection I think in western thinking particularly we separate issues of the mind and issues of the physical body when the two are so closely linked that, you know, even if something like weight loss and thinking that it's purely a physical thing where you just have to eat right or just exercise a lot, your own attitude towards your body has such a huge impact on how your body ends up functioning, how you feel when you're in your body. So, yeah, I think the main thing for me is just starting small and not beating myself up for not doing like a two hour workout every time I decide I want to do exercise. Like better for me to do 15 minutes every other day if I'm feeling lazy than to do nothing for like a month and then do like a one hour workout and not work out again. So yeah, I think doing lots of YouTube yoga and also I started doing pole dance classes this year, something I wanted to do last year because there's a studio really close to my apartment in Shanghai. I just never got around to it. And then this year I was like, wow, I have a lot of free time. <laughs> Let me look into this. And I really, really enjoy um, doing pole dance. I think it is is it doesn't feel like a workout when you're doing it because you're kind of focusing on trying to learn new moves or learn a routine. I have always struggled to build upper body strength. I don't like lifting weights and doing that kind of gym stuff. So in pole, you're really relying on arm strength and core strength to pull yourself up. So I've seen a really big difference in my upper body strength and core strength from doing pole. And, you know, it's only like a once a week class most of the time so for the amount of time that I spend doing it 
And the results that I've seen, um, it's like one of the most effective exercises I've ever done. So mind-body connection, I think when you feel changes in your body that come from doing a regular exercise, you, you just feel better in general. You know, I think that even though it was a really mentally tough year for me, that was really cushioned with consistency that I really tried to maintain in just doing a little bit of physical activity each day because you know I'm not not really leaving the house not really out and about so if you just do like 20 minute yoga flow or one day have a rest day another day do an hour another day do 30 minutes go for a walk do one group fitness class if you're in a place where you don't have strict lockdown laws etc like it's good so I recommend trying to do just a little bit of physical activity you know I think I'm coming from a place where I used to hate exercise and now I'm the type of person that's like if I haven't done anything I feel like really shitty so I know the difference between how you feel when you're not doing shit and when you are doing shit so anyway number two is that mental health takes consistent effort to maintain I think this is obvious, but like I really saw and felt um, this take shape for me this year just because I didn't have like a bunch of work that was keeping me distracted or anything. So I was really able to monitor how I was feeling in my body and the thoughts that I was having in my mind and just my mental health in general. And I think it's really easy to think like, oh my God, I just want to wake up and not feel like shit. But it takes maintaining good habits to really see a difference like I have been meditating on and off since I was like 14 I think I've tried all different techniques and um, I think I kind of fell off my practice like towards the I mean at the beginning of 2020 I would say I was really distracted and I could feel the world was going to end and I just wasn't looking after myself properly and when I really started to go downhill I was like okay fuck I really need to start this again because I can feel how I'm like mentally falling apart so I started up um, meditation practice again and after months did it did I really start to feel a difference it wasn't like oh I just did it once or twice and now I'm better like that's why it's called a meditation practice. Like you have to be consistent. It has to be a habit that you, and a muscle basically that you train. And I think a lot of people um, have a misunderstanding about meditation. Like meditation isn't about not having thoughts. It's not being good or bad at meditating. It's just meditating. You're trying to gain awareness around the thoughts that you have and creating more space around them and getting better at just letting go of your thoughts that way when you are under stress or in a crisis or dealing with conflict you're not so reactive to the thoughts that you have straight away because you can't stop having thoughts but you can create more space around them and really decide which thoughts and feelings you want to act on so be patient with yourself and try to be consistent if you have never meditated before, there's plenty of resources out there now. I think um, it's really taken off in the West. And you can start with five-minute meditation, 10-minute meditation. There's heaps of YouTube videos, apps, and everything. I don't think you have to spend money on meditation, to be honest. Like if you are broke and you're like, I don't want to pay for a meditation app, you don't have to. You can just use a YouTube video or you can just sit quietly with your eyes closed for five minutes and become aware of your breathing that in and of itself is a meditation you don't even have to like meditate meditate one of my guy friends is like yeah sometimes I just stare out the window when I'm on the train before I go to work <laughs> and I'm like that's a form of meditation or you know doodling I think that's why people are really into coloring books that's very meditative as well just kind of zoning out for a bit anyway I really encourage people to meditate it's made such a huge difference to my mental health when my mental health was really bad during university around like 2014 um that's when I started to try to practice meditation more regularly and it's kind of like ebbed and flowed at different stages of my life since then but this year I really have come to appreciate that practice a lot more and it's something that I definitely want to prioritize and remain consistent in moving forward 
Number three is really coming to understand that it's not about outcomes. I already believe that it is not productive to just focus on outcomes. And I think when we're faced with crisis, you're thinking about all the things that you've lost and all the things that you want and not how you can just kind of like realign and recalibrate to get those things back in a way that you didn't necessarily plan for. So I think letting go of perfection um, has been a huge thing. I think most of us can say that we had big goals for 2020 at the end of 2019. We all thought 2020 vision, this is going to be our year. And then only within a matter of months, everything turned to shit. So being able to just let go of all those ideas and, um, you know, illusions that we create for ourselves that we haven't yet realized and focusing on, okay, what can I do today? What can I do tomorrow to get closer to whatever goal I had set for myself? And how can I be more adaptable and flexible in the way that I get that? Number four is to continue to be honest with yourself. So I think in general, I am pretty realistic for the most part. And I will always get to a place where I'm like, okay, this is the reality that I'm living in. Let go of whatever excuses you're making for yourself, for other people. But I think um, last year, this really rang true for me in the sense that if you're not honest with yourself, you're not going to be honest with other people and your life is never going to look the way that you want it to look. And it's, it can be painful to be honest with ourselves, to admit like, okay, I fucked up in this area. I need to take responsibility, but ultimately it's worth it. And I think when I talk, when I think about friend breakups that I've been through a lot of the time, those friend breakups precipitate from the other person not being honest with me and in turn not being honest with themselves because if they're not honest with me and we have a conflict and they can't admit to themselves that you know their part in the breakdown of a friendship even if I say like hey look okay I know I fucked up but like let's talk through this work it out let's put it behind us if it ends up in a friend breakup it's always the other person being like doubling down on their position and not being able to accept responsibility. So being honest with yourself, learning to take responsibility for the decisions that you make in life, good and bad, is really important, which brings me to number five, short-term pain for long-term gain. So sometimes in the short term, you have to be brutally honest with yourself and maybe even the people around you in service of a bigger long-term goal. So it's really important to face your fears, sit in the discomfort, knowing that it will pay off later. And, you know, whenever I look back on tough times in my life, those are when I've learned the biggest lessons. You know, 2020 was a hard year and I've learned so much as a result which I'm grateful for, you know, in spite of shitty circumstances or shitty in comparison to what I had planned. um, I'm really grateful for the time that I've had to reflect and think about life, think about who I am, who I want to be, what I want to do. So yeah, short-term pain, long-term gain. Number six, Knowing versus understanding. So your conscious mind is only 5% of your consciousness and the other 95% is subconsciousness, which is which you don't actually like really directly communicate with. That's kind of through dreams, intuition, etc. So just because you consciously know something doesn't mean you fully like understand it and are practicing it. And um Really know this for yourself and then sometimes stay a little bit skeptical of other people. Like I think it takes time to actually like understand things and really internalize them and change the way you behave in accordance. So I think if you have a conflict with somebody and it really like speaks to the core of 
you and their being a, a little conversation and like a and hugging it out isn't necessarily going to do anything maybe you can squash the beef but you need to become mindful if you're the person that needs to change their behavior of the decisions that you make moving forward because being able to acknowledge that you fucked up and being able to actually change the way you behave are two very different things and I think that's something that we need to consider when it comes to you know call out culture somebody releasing a statement you know just because they've been called out and acknowledging their wrongdoing doesn't mean that they're absolved of that wrongdoing and it takes time so you need to be able to hold people accountable while also giving them the space to reflect and rehabilitate if necessary number seven actions speak louder than words this is like something that your parents tell you from a young age and obviously I always heard this I consciously knew it but it's something that I really really came to understand in 2020 I think I spoke about this in the consciousness and crisis episode about how you don't really know who someone is until you've seen them deal with adversity, until they've had to deal with crisis, until they've hit rock bottom. And mental resilience is something that you build over time. It's like a muscle. Not everybody is born with a great deal of mental resilience, but you know we all have the opportunity to build it um, in terms of how we deal with conflict and problems and adversity, et cetera. So actions speak louder than words. Let people show you who they are. So I think in the last two years, I've been put in situations where I've really doubted my intuition or made compromises and done things that I felt like would be more socially acceptable, et cetera, et cetera. And it's always been at my own expense. And it wasn't like life-threatening, but the consequences caused enough inconvenience that I'm less willing to do that kind of stuff again and that's always been because I've just taken other people at their word and not ignored but just kind of like mm, given people more chances than they necessarily deserve or given people the benefit of the doubt when they haven't really done anything to show me that they deserve it so If it ever sounds like someone is living in a fantasy version of reality they've created in their mind, you can just take a little mental note of that um, and observe how their behavior unfolds and decide for yourself if that's someone that you want to keep in your life or not. And yeah, actions speak louder than words. Number eight, romance and love are not the same. Um, I guess I already knew this, but... When I think about like the relationships that I've been in, I think a lot of Western pop culture and culture in general is very centered around, very focused on the pre-commitment courtship phase of a relationship and then also the breakdown phase. And you never really see people in their like commitment phase. And, you know, Love is always described as this like all-consuming, mind-boggling, life-altering, body-tingling sensation, feeling, and anything else that's felt between two people is not, that's not like overwhelming, can't be love. But love is actually very grounded. When you think about the committed relationships that you're in, whether that's friendships with your family or in a healthy romantic relationship or partnership, love is really meant to make you feel safe and grounded. So I think there's nothing wrong with romance, but conflating love and romance is how we get bamboozled and it's fine if you just want to pursue romance in the short term but you need to know that it is a short-term thing you can't maintain that overwhelming feeling of lust for someone um every single day for the entirety of your relationship if it's going to last more than I would say three months and then if you really are looking for love and commitment knowing that that takes time and effort 
a lot of people just think like, oh, you're shacked up now. So you can just like drop the mask, drop the act, drop the effort and just exist. I don't think so. Okay. (laughs) It takes time and effort to create space for someone in your life and to commit to them and to love them. Know what you can and can't provide and what you are and are not looking for and act accordingly. Otherwise, you're just going to be wasting your time and energy. Which is bringing me to number nine, which is the definition of love. Love is a willingness to extend yourself for the purpose of one or another's spiritual growth. And anything else is just cathexis, which is just like attachment. And that's fine. You know, just know what it is, know how to do it and keep it moving. Uh, That definition came from The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck, which is a book that I highly, highly recommend. I'm currently rereading it because, um, you know, knowing versus understanding. I read it, I know it, but parts of it I probably didn't fully absorb and I need to remind myself of what's good. Okay, number 10, willpower is finite. I used to think that if I wanted to do something, I would be able to make it happen and I could have, I would have an endless supply of energy to work towards it. And my to-do list or always like a page long, I would think I could get like 15 things done in a day. Um, and if I only did like two things, I would beat myself up and say, oh my God, you're so unproductive. What's wrong with you? You have such bad time management. Not really a sustainable way to live. Um, And you only have so much energy in a day and it's really important that you manage accordingly, which is why people like Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg wear the same thing every day so they don't have to think about outfits or whatever because that is taking away from their willpower. Unfortunately, I have no desire to look like... (laughs) Unfortunately, I have no desire to dress like Mark Zuckerberg, but I think... You know, I've become more aware of where I'm just kind of like letting my energy be used for no reason, which is kind of why I um, went off Instagram for a bit because I just felt like I was on Instagram too much and just even passively reading and looking at images and like analyzing things responding to things was taking away too much of my energy that I wanted to keep just for myself I didn't even want to use it for anything in particular I just wanted to rest my brain and my spirit so willpower is finite know this if you're trying to you know get rid of old habits replace them with new ones you need to manage your energy accordingly number 11 Let go of expectations. This is similar to what I mentioned earlier, but I think when you invest too much in expectations for yourself or for other people especially, you're really just setting yourself up for disappointment. Like, and it's important to have, like what I always say is keep your expectations low, but your standards high. So don't feel like what you expect has to be met but know that if whatever happens is not up to your standard that you demand for yourself, keep it moving. So letting go of expectations also means that you can focus on the journey. Like it's really important to stay present in life. (laughs) And if you're focusing on expectations, you're constantly looking into the future that is not yet a reality. So You can set a goal by all means and you need to break it down into smaller steps and then focus on what you can do each day and then you every now and then you kind of like come out of the present moment track track your progress and then get back into it so it's really important for us to take responsibility of letting go of being defined by like a future illusion you know what are you doing today what do you have today be grateful for it Number 12, take responsibility. Every situation is going to be different and sometimes things just happen to us out of nowhere. We have no control over it. And no matter what the situation is, we always have a personal responsibility to decide how we're going to respond to a certain situation, you know. 
if you are dealing with a pandemic, obviously it's fucked up if you lose your job, if you lose a loved one, you can't go outside, can't do X, Y, Z. But, you know, even if the pandemic is controlling 80% of our life, there's still 20% that we can, you know, reorganize. So we have to rethink about the goals that we have, the way that we're going to achieve them, maybe come up with new goals instead. In the meantime, uh, practicing healthy habits so that we don't become completely mentally and emotionally consumed by our circumstances, asking for help from other people, etc., etc. Really important to take responsibility for yourself. You know, you can only have a pity party for so long. At some point, you've got to do something about it. And it doesn't matter like what your gender is, what your race is, what socioeconomic class is, everybody has problems. And at some point, like privilege matters, of course, it has a huge effect on the quality of life that you have. But at some point, your privilege maxes out. And you it has no effect on like your happiness and happiness is something that you have to choose for yourself even in the most dire circumstances we all have to find ways to just find moments of joy in our life which comes from being able to practice gratitude focus on what you have and not what you lack in times when you feel like you're just spinning out of control like that's something that really helped me last year I am extremely privileged to be in the position that I am despite not being in ideal circumstances for myself, I have been living in a basically COVID-free area um, at my mom's house. And I've had all this time to reflect and think about life. So I am really grateful for that. But, you know, there were times that I felt really sad. I missed my friends. I missed the life that I was meant to be having this year, the place that I'm supposed to be living at, the career that I had worked so hard to build for myself. But focusing on what I had done, where I am at, what I have to be grateful for, what I have to look forward to, um, really kept me grounded and just finding joy in day-to-day moments instead of like bigger achievements that I had worked towards. It would be like, I'm really grateful that I get to drink this glass of water. I'm really grateful for this delicious piece of fruit. I'm really grateful that I have a comfortable pillow to lie on when I can't be fucked moving. I'm really grateful that I have internet connection to go on YouTube and do a yoga video. (laughs) I'm really grateful to be close to the ocean so I can just like mentally and physically cleanse myself when I'm feeling overwhelmed. So yeah. I was trying my best to take as much responsibility as I could for myself in spite of feeling like in order to not just be a victim to my circumstances, you know, and, you know, I've read a lot of stories, follow a lot of people that have come from nothing. My mom is one of them. Um, and if at any point you get into this victim narrative, it becomes really difficult to move forward. Focus on what you do have and what you can do. Maybe you can't make as big a move as you would like, but being able to make any move at all is better than making none. So that's that on that. Next, number 13, do not externalize your sense of self. So sometimes I see a lot of people that are really defined by you know, what they're associated with, what they like, defined by the opinions that they hold, defined by the job that they have, the place that they live, the school that they went to, whatever, whatever. And all of these things are ultimately external to a person. And all of your energy is being put into those things rather than just building like a core foundation of self-esteem And I don't think there's anything wrong with admiring other people, but don't attach too much of yourself to the people that you follow, the people that you admire, the job that you have, the friends that you have. Obviously you need, obviously you should like appreciate them, et cetera. But 
when you kind of when something else when something outside of you is too much of your identity not in the way that other people see you but in the way that you see yourself if any of those external things change in a way that is undesirable to you personally it can feel like catastrophic on your sense of self like if someone being your friend is a huge part of how you see yourself and then that friend decides one day they don't want to be friends with you anymore you're not going to know what to do with yourself because you've only ever saw, seen yourself as being associated with them or if the way that you see yourself is very highly attached to the job that you have if you cannot do that job anymore then you're going to really have trouble figuring out who you are without that job figuring out what you can do without that job like for me 2020 was hard in terms of not being able to work and I love the work that I do but I don't associate my personal worth with being a DJ I love DJing I'm obsessed I'm obsessed with it but I'm not like if I'm not DJing then I don't exist type thing so it wasn't that hard for me to not be working um, in the sense that I'm not being recognized for being for working as a certain profession it was just hard for me to just like not have something to do Um, it doesn't matter like what my job is, I get fulfillment from the process of doing it less so than the way that people see me because I'm doing that kind of thing, you know? So yeah, it's really important to, it doesn't mean that you can't invest and care about things and other people. It's just making sure that you know that your value is not hinging on all these other things because like I mentioned, when it comes to letting go of expectations, you don't want to have, you don't want somebody else to be able to control the way that you see yourself, the value that you, on your self-worth. You don't want things outside of you to determine your self-worth. That's something that you have to determine for yourself. Anytime you rely on someone else to do it for you, you're going to hear something you don't want to hear. And then what are you going to do? That's why we have to take responsibility. Number 14. Okay, so I read this article, which I can leave a link to in the description of this episode, which talks about entropy. And entropy is the concept that all things trend towards disorder. And it's like a how energy disperses and how systems like dissolve into chaos and basically entropy is a natural state of the universe and it's what gives life meaning so when I was younger I always thought about my inner chaos and how to manage my inner chaos meditation yoga mindfulness whatever because I just felt like mentally a little bit out of control (laughs) I felt very defined by my emotions very reactive and I think from maybe around the age of like 13 14 is when I started to try to develop spiritual practice and try to tame the inner chaos is how I would describe it and then this article talks about the chaos of the world so it's kind of like You know, you need to learn to manage your inner chaos in order to deal with the outer chaos that is basically inevitable in life. Okay, so a little section from this article, I think. All things trend toward disorder. Left unchecked, disorder increases over time, energy disperses and systems dissolve into chaos. You can see this throughout history and society today and your day-to-day life. So that's where all these like analogies and platitudes come into play like you know, what goes up must come down, the flame that burns twice as bright burns half as fast, everything that comes together falls apart, the sooner you embrace that life is in a constant state of flux, that you can't predict tomorrow, the less you worry about what you can't control and the more time you can spend on creating a resilient mind to prepare yourself for when crisis does hit. If you're tempted to take a shortcut, know that it will probably come at a price. So you're kind of constantly pushing against this outward force of entropy, everything trending towards chaos, everything eventually decays when you can accept that life is basically cyclical you're gonna have ups you're gonna have downs you just free yourself from the expectation that everything has to go your way you know like 
sometimes shit hits a fan and there's nothing you can do about it and you're going to learn something from your experience or you're just going to have to deal with it and keep it moving. But that's life, okay? Sometimes I feel like there's a little too much entitlement rhetoric going on here that is ignorant to this simple fact of life, which is everything trends towards chaos, life is suffering, everything is impermanent, etc., etc. Once you accept this, once you accept that problems are always going to come your way no matter what, you can just let go and enjoy the ride. Number 15, similar to what I mentioned before, I'm sorry all of these things kind of interconnect, but observe how you and other people handle crisis. When things are going well, it's easy to just enjoy, pretend that everything's all jeezy. When you're thrown off course and you can't hold on to illusions, that's when you don't have your bullshit to lean on anymore. And you can really see who someone really is. You really need to train yourself to get better at dealing with crisis and conflict in order to progress in a forward or upward trajectory. You know, if you keep, like I said in previous episodes, the universe keeps giving you the same lesson over and over until you learn it. And it's going to come in the forms of different conflicts, different people. It's inevitable, okay? You can't control who does and doesn't come into your life, what problems you do and don't face, but you can control what you do in response. And something that I've observed this year is a lot of my friends, not me, because I haven't really been working that much, but a lot of my friends that have been working a lot this year, dealing with very similar issues, specifically having like one really annoying coworker that kind of gets in their way. And when I talk to them, it's not the first time they've experienced somebody like this, but their immediate reaction is this person's really annoying. I can't do my job. I need to quit and I need to move to another company because life is so hard. And at first, when they're describing their situation to me, I think that it sounds like their whole work environment is toxic and they just need to GTFO immediately. Over time, as they you know process the situation, as we talk it through, it becomes clear that Everybody else they work with is really nice. They actually enjoy the work that they do. It's just this one person that's really annoying. And my answer to them is you can't control that other person being annoying. You can control how you deal with it. Unfortunately, you are the person with more self-awareness in the situation and it seems unfair that you have to exert more energy in order to manage it while they just continue to live in ignorance. But be grateful that you're not living in ignorance, that you have gotten to a point where you can take control of your life instead of just feeling like it's everybody else around you's fault. So do you actually need to leave your job or do you just need to get better at handling dealing with an annoying coworker? Because no matter where you work, no matter what you do, no matter where you are, there's going to be fucking annoying people. <laughs> That's not something that you can determine for yourself. But you can determine how you deal with annoying people so that they take up as little space in your mind and in your life as possible. So, got to get better at handling these sorts of conflicts and crisis. Number 16, everybody's threshold is different. Everybody's standards are different. So, somebody's rock bottom and somebody's peak ecstasy joy, everybody has different thresholds and you know sometimes when you're talking to a friend who's really going through it you really just want to like climb into their brain (laughs) and fix it for them because you don't want to watch this like car crash in slow motion basically you know like this person is dealing with a problem and it is going on for weeks or months and you're, you're always hearing about it and you're just like the answer is so simple why can't you just do what I tell you and let this be done so you can move on. But what I realized is like, you're not done until you're done. And everybody's threshold for that is different. For some people, one day, this is fucked. They recognize a problem next. Other people, three weeks, they've got to marinate, think about it, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. Now I've got to cut it off. Some people, three months, some people, six months, some people, a year, some people, three years, five years, you never know what somebody else's threshold is if they're not going to be honest with you. Usually I'm like, okay, I'm feeling shit. It's going downhill, probably going to be three months of this and then I'm going to hit rock bottom and I'll be able to take steps to crawl out of my depressive spiral. But 
you know, some people need to be sad for a year and that sucks, but that's just what their threshold is. So yeah, and other people, their standards for themselves might be different to you. You know, I am pretty low tolerance on the bullshit scale. I don't, I don't want it. If I don't like it, I don't want it. I want to be able to do what I want to do and have control of that. I want to be able to waste my own time. I don't want it to be wasted by other people. So yeah, my standard for myself in those terms is high because I have low tolerance for bullshit. Some people love, but when I was younger, I loved bullshit. I was dealing with everyone's bullshit because I had so much free time. I was constantly trying to distract myself from doing what I wanted to do or having to deal with going to law school and hating it, whatever. I would just engross myself in other people's problems and spend all my time trying to help them, save them, blah, blah, blah. To what end? You know, you don't get the reward. I think it's important to support your friends and be there for them. Try to give them perspective, but you don't have to... Just because someone else is in a car crash going in slow motion, that means you've got to get in with them, you know? Better that you're there to help call the ambulance <laughs> once it's over. So, yeah, everyone's thresholds are different and you need to be able to accept people for where they're at. And if you can't accept them, then you just got to create a little bit of space or just let go of them completely because... You know, your time and energy is precious. You have to think of it as such. Otherwise, no one's going to draw those boundaries for you. Number 17, context is everything. I think a lot of us make snap judgments according to what we think we already know instead of really doing the work and understanding why something is the way that it is. And for this, I think when we're learning about, you know, issues in society, etc., None of these issues come from nowhere. It takes a really long time for a system to be built, to operate in a way that is exploitative of groups of people, etc. And, you know, not knowing history only means that you're doomed to repeat it, only, mean, only means that you will never really know what tools you need in order to change its course. So, you know, you're also never going to know everything either, but at least taking the time to learn a little bit more than just reading a tweet or reading someone's post on Instagram is going to give you more wisdom, more context and a better understanding of what the fuck is going on in the world. And you don't have to know everything about everything, but anything you choose, anything you think you want to understand better or advocate for, it's important to know more. And it's okay to be lazy sometimes and maybe just not be bothered. Don't pretend that you care when you don't. I think that's where I get most disappointed when I take people's word. Something they want to say that they care about X, Y, Z, but they really don't. They're just doing ABC instead, whatever. That's fine. Just be real with yourself and the people around you. It's going to make everything much easier. Number 18. Comparison is the thief of joy. I already... I don't know. I think now I'm in a place where I'm not really comparing myself to other people in a way that is like detrimental to my mental health or my sense of self. I can't even remember how I used to feel because I feel quite comfortable in how I feel right now. Definitely were times when I was comparing myself, but I think, you know, in the last five years, this has been something that I've worked on a lot, being able to have a strong sense of self that is not so easily shaken by external forces. But I am reminded again that comparison is the thief of joy. You're not, you're not able to appreciate what you have if you're constantly thinking about the things that other people have that you don't. And if you want those things, know that it's not as easy as looking at a photo of somebody else and wishing for it. You actually have to put work in. And that's when you've got to be real with yourself and decide – is it something that I really want to work for or is it something that I would just like instantaneously and I would then take for granted because then you're being honest with yourself in terms of what you really want, how you can actually structure your life to get things versus just living in a constant state of longing for things that you don't have and may never have because you can't be fucked putting in the effort to pursue them. You know, I think that's something that we like, for example, people that look hot on the internet, it's really hard to take hot photos of yourself straight up. It takes time. It takes effort. So 
If you are someone who doesn't post that many hot photos of yourself, but you're constantly envious of other people that post hot photos of themselves, ask yourself, are you willing to put in the time and energy to post hot photos of yourself? If yes, get to it, honey, start posting. If no, just accept it for the way it is, appreciate other people's hot posts, and you can post whatever the fuck you want without feeling like you have no self-worth because you're not posting hot photos of yourself or whatever. And I feel like that goes for anything. Someone has this job you think is really cool. Do you really want that job? Are you willing to put in the work to get there? Maybe your path is going to be different to that person because they have, you know, certain experiences or certain contacts that you don't have. But are you willing to put in the effort to get that job too? Or are you just sitting here wishing and probably not going to do anything about it? You gotta be real gotta be real with yourself. Number 19. People's problem with you is usually their problem. Concept of rejection. When people would say it in the past, I knew what it was, but I didn't really understand how it worked. And then just from going to therapy, reading more about psychology, watching lots of videos on psychology and spirituality, I came to really understand what projection is. Because when I was younger, I felt extremely judged when I was in Australia. Being the only Chinese girl most of the time, liking what I liked um, when it was different to most of the people around me, being interested in what I was interested in, choosing to do whatever I wanted to do, I felt really judged and I felt like it was my fault. And because of the way that people would speak to me about it. And this year, being back in Perth, having a few full circle moments, being able to really reflect back, it's like, that was all their problem. (laughs) I never got in their way. I never judged them for what they did. But me choosing to do something different to them felt like a personal attack on them, which then was projected onto me in forms of judgment. So. That was not a me problem, that was a them problem. And when you can understand this and know this, you can create more space between the things that people try and say about you because bitches are always going to be bitches. You're always going to have people that have something to say. You can't be liked by everybody. Knowing this but knowing who you are and what you care about is going to make you more resilient to those external forces you have no control over. A lot of people, a lot of people are much more insecure than they let on. Like when I was younger, I thought I was the most insecure. I had plenty of reasons to be insecure. I was the only child to a single parent, which was not that common in the school that I went to. I was like one of few Chinese girls in my social circle if not the only and then like one of two women of color maybe and yeah I just never really felt like I fit in I didn't like any of the boys I was hanging out with when I started DJing my music taste didn't quite fit into any specific um scene and also Perth is so small anyway like the scenes are quite small and limited and I dressed a little bit differently to a lot of people, I think because I was influenced more by the internet than by the people around me. People were always trying to say something about me. So I always just assumed that I would be the most insecure. But in fact, they were all more insecure than me, projecting their insecurities onto me because it was easy for them because I just stood out a little bit. And um, yeah, I mean, it just be like that sometimes. Now I really don't give a fuck. And I'm actually grateful that I was able to spend time in Perth and feel comfortable in myself for once. I've spent like 90% of my life in this town and only in the last year have I felt really comfortable with who I am here. Before it was better to be elsewhere and now I just don't care. (laughs) Uh, Number 20, the most important and something to just tie everything together, which is get real about your values and act accordingly because this is how you live an authentic life and this is one of the first things that my therapist told me when I went in to see her. She was like, let's be clear on what you do and don't care about and how you can act in accordance with those things so that you can live authentically. And, you know, 
you're not going to be perfect. That's okay. But as long as you're trying and you're accepting and taking responsibility and trying to do better, you can sleep peacefully at night knowing that you did your best. And sometimes it can be really hard to figure out what you do care about, especially if you're really easily influenced by the people around you or the things that you consume on social media or through entertainment. I think for a lot of people, there can be a really big gap between what they think is expected of them and what they actually want. And for me, I've always tried to get closer to understanding what I want and doing that contrary to what may or may not be expected of me. And I think I've always been trying to do that. But when I learned about how this ties into authenticity, living authentically, I feel like I was able to really close the gap in understanding for that particular concept. I think I've always tried to better understand what I want and how to live accordingly versus just doing what's expected of me. But I've also had to accept that life ain't perfect and you can't always make, it's not really about making like right or wrong decisions. It's just being able to accept and work with the decisions that you've made if at any point you don't feel like they were in alignment with what you wanted. Like I did not really want to study law, but I was able to accept by the time I was like four years in that I was in too deep and I didn't know what else I wanted to do. And ultimately it would be a good degree for me to have. And I was also just making a compromise with my mom. (laughs) So yeah, I think I'm still recovering from the trauma of spending so long studying something that I wasn't happy doing but I'm ultimately really grateful that I completed that degree um and now I think I'm giving myself the freedom to really explore what I want to do on my own terms from here on out because I spent so long feeling so trapped I'm grateful for that lesson And I hope to never have to feel like that for longer than I need to ever again. So, yeah, that's 20 things I learned slash realized slash gained clarity on in 2020. Um, Definitely more things, I think. I just thought I would cut it down to 20 things. They all kind of interrelate. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you realize some of the same things. Maybe you realize some other things. Let me know. And yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Stay hydrated. Tell your friends and family that you love them. Go be a better person. Bye.